Hi, welcome to our message for July the 31st, 2022. Today we wrap up our series on who is Forest Lake. We've been preaching through our identity statements. There are five parts of that, and I'd like to share all five of them with you once again, just to remind you who we are trying to become. At Forest Lake, we welcome and affirm all people, especially those who may not believe our story. We honor scripture through honest, critical study of the Bible. We side with the under-resourced, the oppressed, and the left out. We stand for justice, even when it's unpopular. We work within our local community to show the love of God through acts of service and social justice. Forest Lake seeks to transform our world into God's kingdom. Today is the last of the series, and we'll focus on that fifth bullet point. We work within our local community to show the love of God through acts of service and social justice. Our text for today comes from two places, from 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14, and from Ezekiel chapter 49, verse 16. First from 2 Chronicles. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and will heal their land. And then from Ezekiel, now this was the sin of your sister Sodom. She and her daughters were arrogant, overfed, and unconcerned. They did not help the poor and needy. Let us pray. Almighty God, help us to love others as you have loved us. Truly, our mission in the world is to transform this place more fully into your kingdom. We can only do that, though, with your help. So pour out your spirit on us so that we might share who you are with all of those around us. Lord, I ask that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. We like the easy way out, don't we? No matter what the problem is, we look for an easy solution. We've been trained that way in our society. All of us grew up with TV problems. Whatever the problem was, it could be resolved in a 60-minute episode. Whether it was a personal problem or a political problem, we could fix that thing in the course of 60 minutes, unless it was a really big problem. And then it had to be continued next week to the next episode. And of course, there were those occasional mini-series to deal with the truly epic problems in our lives. But regardless, we've been trained to think that problems can come up and be resolved just in a matter of minutes or maybe hours. We're conditioned to expect quick, easy answers to our problems. Meals delivered to our doorways, ready to heat and eat. Education delivered to our laptops. Earn a doctorate in your pajamas now. From self-cleaning ovens to self-driving cars, we're obsessed with easier living. It even shows up in our faith. We have become masters of the prayer vigil. Another school shooting? Well, let's offer our thoughts and prayers. How many times have we heard that? I know probably until we're tired of it, but still, every time the mass shooting comes up, the best we can muster is our thoughts and prayers, our religious duty, so to speak. On the night of 9-11, when the towers came down, my church gathered in my home for prayer. 
And that was a good thing. It was important for us to come together and pray as a church family, but is that enough? Is that all that we are called to do, just to offer prayer in the face of tragedy? After George Floyd's murder, I attended a prayer vigil on the steps of the Tuscaloosa County Courthouse. It was even televised. It was a good thing. I'm glad that we did it. But it wasn't enough. Just gathering for a show of prayer for 15 minutes on the courthouse doors did not change our racial situation in this country. That by itself did not fix anything. Just look around us. The problems are still here. I've even heard people misquote today's scripture. What I hear too often is people say, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, then I will hear from heaven and heal their land. That's not an accident. That's the way we want it to work, that we can just humble ourselves and pray and then God will fix everything. Do your religious duty and God will get everything into shape. Show up and have a time of prayer. Do a prayer vigil, even a fasting and prayer time, and all of a sudden God will miraculously fix all that's wrong. The text, though, actually includes a line that we tend to leave out. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and forgive their sin and heal their land. Prayer is vitally important for changing the world. I'm not playing that down at all. Prayer is critical if we're going to change the world, but prayer must move us into action. Turn from our wicked ways. Stop hating one another. If we want God to heal our land, we should cooperate by not hating one another. Sodom learned the lesson the hard way, as did Judah. God condemned Judah for acting like Sodom. You remember in the Old Testament, in the book of Genesis, God destroys the city of Sodom by raining fire down from heaven, torches the entire place. Uh, then the prophet Ezekiel says to the nation of Judah that God will contend with them in a similar way that they will be destroyed for the same reason Sodom was destroyed. But it's not what you think. Uh, what we call sodomy is a misnomer. We have mistranslated the idea. Ezekiel spells it out. The sin of Sodom was greed, that they were arrogant and overfed and unconcerned. They did not help the poor and needy. The sin of Sodom was that while uh, was that they ignored the needs of the people around them. And Ezekiel was calling out Judah that for all of their religious trappings, for all of their sacrifice, they were failing to share with the people who were suffering. They weren't loving as God loves us. That's why at Forest Lake, we work within our community to show the love of God through acts of service and justice. There are just a few examples of who we are and what we are doing. We participate regularly in the East Tuscaloosa Community Soup Bowl with over a dozen volunteers that show up and feed people and look at them in the eyes with the love of Christ. Uh, additionally, we, we cover the cost of the food for those meals. So as a church, we are feeding our community just as Christ called us to. We also participate in loaves and fishes, 
It's a food bank, a food ministry out of a sister church that's just down the road. We provide volunteers and we finance uh, we finance buying some of the food and we offer food donations as well. Uh, dozens and dozens of people are fed every month because we are trying to build God's kingdom here on earth. We've partnered with Bottoms Up Diaper Banks. You, you may not realize it, but diapers are not covered under any government assistance. And if young parents don't have diapers for their children, the children can't go to daycare or preschool. And if the children can't go to daycare or preschool, the parents cannot work and support their children. The, in, the, the inability to have diapers is tragically affecting the well-being of our under-resourced families. And so we're making a difference. We've partnered with Bottoms Up Diaper Bank to provide diapers. We've, we've had volunteers to help distribute those diapers. And we just recently bought over $500 in diapers that are going out to people that desperately need them. Our modern worship service that meets at 1115 incorporates mission as an act of worship every week. Get that now. Our mission activities are worshipful. Part of the way we worship on Sunday morning is by doing hands-on mission activities that serve our people here and now. It sounds a lot like the Second Chronicles text, doesn't it? Not just praying, but turning from our wicked ways by loving one another. In recent months, uh, in our late worship service, we've packaged emergency food bags that were distributed through loaves and fishes. We've done flood buckets for the United Methodist Commission on Relief so that people in disaster would have the tools available to clean up. We've done safety kits, health and safety kits for people again through United Methodist Commission on Relief. We regularly wrap diapers for distribution for Bottoms Up Diaper Bank. We regularly send cards to our homebound members showing our love for those servants of Christ who are no longer able to be active at Forest Lake. We've sent goodie bags to school teachers, to nurses, and to our local PFLAG group. Forest Lake is making a difference. We are building the kingdom, and there are more opportunities out there. Jesus specifically said that his followers would feed the hungry. That's one of the specific tasks that Christ said that people who belong to him would engage in. Uh, we are called to feed the hungry. Well, our, our world already produces enough food to feed everyone. There's plenty of food out there. We just can't get it to the right people. We can't get it to the need, and we waste far too much of it. According to the Alabama Department of Public Health, 17% of the adults and 23% of the children in Alabama struggle with food insecurity. 17% of adults, 23% of children struggle to have enough food to eat. Meanwhile, truckloads of food are wasted simply because it doesn't meet cosmetic standards. One story that I'm familiar with, I know is that, that uh, there are farmers who contract out to potato chip companies to grow potatoes for, for Lay's or for Golden Flake or for whoever. Uh, when the harvest is ready, when those potatoes have, have fully grown, the chip companies come out and they test the potatoes if the sugar content is high, the chip companies don't want them. They'll fry up black. They'll still taste fine, but nobody wants a black potato chip. And so they, uh, normally what happens is the potatoes just get turned under to rot in the field. 
as the farmers try again. Now, there's nothing wrong with the potatoes, but they're wasted because the chip companies don't want them and the farmers aren't allowed to sell them to anybody else. Vegetables that are deformed or not colorful enough are routinely thrown away. We're wasting good food, but there is an answer. The Society of St. Andrew is one group that's making a difference. The Society of St. Andrew, they operate gleaning ministries, harvesting food that would otherwise be wasted and distributing it to the people who need it. When the farmers can't sell their crops for whatever reason, uh, Society of St. Andrew goes in and they collect the food and then they truck it out and they get it to places where under-resourced people can be served. For one dollar, they can provide 11 servings of food to people in Alabama. One dollar for 11 servings of food. Additionally, there are opportunities for people to participate in gleaning and, dis and, and distributing. I've done both. I've provided, I'm providing the link to the Society of St. Andrew's website in the description of this video uh, on, the, on the podcast. I invite you this week to save your extra change. Maybe clean the change out of your drawers or couches or wherever it collects. Four quarters is 11 servings of food. Now, if you're going to be with us in worship next week, then I invite you to bring that to our communion offering. We're going to dedicate our entire communion offering to Society of St. Andrew. As we gather at Christ's table, let's see how many servings of food we can bring to all of those poor that Christ loves so dearly. And if you're not going to be with us, then click on that link for Society of St. Andrew and, and send them a donation. A dollar will provide 11 servings of food. It's too easy a way to make a difference to not do it. It's not our religious activities that demonstrate our faith. It's our, it's our love. May we love our community in such a way that it reveals God's grace and welcomes everyone into the family. Amen.